So here is the big question. How do entrepreneurs like us, who started sales or direct selling or network marketing, how did we start our journey but now feel stuck, feel like we're struggling or we can't level up to where we want to be, where we know we can be? How do we break through and prove everybody wrong? wrong. Show ourselves that we are successful and show ourselves that we can win. That is the big question. And this is the podcast that will give you the answers. My name is Lisa Hawker, and this is Direct AF Sales. Welcome back to Direct AF, where the F does not stand for what, Robert? (laughs) Direct is fun. I'm sure that's what it stands for. (laughs) Is that what it stands for, everybody? Direct is fun? I like that a lot. Let's welcome Robert. How do you say your last name? I say it with my mouth is the way I say it. <laughs> How would I say it with my mouth? I, I, I'm, still on, I'm still on that having fun part. Um, it's pronounced real pal, like a real pal. Oh, I like that. That's really cool. And you have been a real pal with rescheduling and scheduling. Uh, boy, it's not great to be a hot mess. But here we are, and we are going to get direct AF and have a lot of fun while we're doing Absolutely. it. So you have traveled the world and you've shared the stage with a lot of really cool people. Who, who's your favorite person? Who are top two people that you've gotten to share the oh. stage with and why? Top two people, I would say, would be one was the Dalai Lama. Um, you know, back in 2009, I hosted an event where he was one of our speakers. And, and you got to love being able to connect with people like that. Um, Les Brown, he is such a great friend now, started off as a mentor and now is a great friend. I love any time I get to share with him uh, and break bread with him and share meals with him. He's just he's just a genuine person. Uh, and yeah, there's so many. Stephen Covey Sr., one of the last presentations he did, I got to spend time in the green room with him. Uh, you know, Richard Branson. I don't know. I, there's so many, Lisa. <laughs> funny i just got back recently from an event in burbank california and les brown was one of the speakers there and he spoke first thing on sunday morning and he brought me to church i'll tell you that he had (laughs) the most beautiful singer with him who sang to us and it was it was it moved me to tears and i don't cry easily (laughs) (laughs) well and that's one of the beautiful things i love about him is is when he in his journeys finds people to have talents, messages, stories. He loves to have them go with him to different places to share their gifts. Because for him, it's not about him. It's about how can he add value and how can he truly live his passion? And at 77, oh my goodness, that man is still a rock star. Unbelievable. Yeah, I would never have known he was 77. His energy is contagious, as is yours. So I know you also like to add value. So let's talk about your journey. Um, right now in your life, what, where are you finding that you're able to give the most value? Well, it's this online world. It really has been. Um, you know, March 10th, 2020, I went from flying 200,000 miles a year around the world on average, doing three to five day trainings in front of a hundred to 6,000 students at a time to zero miles of traveling. And I played the victim for a little bit, you know, a couple of weeks of like all my live events being canceled. But then when I asked the question of what's next, two powerful words my wife and I use in our world, we decided that, well, it was time for me to get online. 
for me to get digital, for me to keep adding value. And so I'm now actually standing in my brand new training center that we just completed getting built at 1500 square feet. I'm turning the main part into a super zoom room because I still do trainings this weekend, the setup behind me for anybody who can see it. Uh, I just did a powerful two-day training where I had 350 students from Europe and Asia, three languages being translated simultaneously, nine hours each of those days doing the training. And it's just, it's still me. I get to add value. I just can't come down off the stage and walk in the audience. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's funny. Let's talk about you playing victim and how, you know, because what happened to all of us collectively, what happened in the world, you know, you and I are probably about the same age and it's, It's never happened in anything like this in our lifetime, in our parents' lifetime, and I dare to venture in our grandparents' lifetime. And we all, as humankind, collectively experienced a totally fucked up situation where our lives were shut down. Our ability to earn our income in the way that we were normally used to um, was just overnight shut down. And I don't think that you were the only one who played victim. So what did you experience? And, um, and then we can talk about how you were able to pivot or come out of that because that's not easy. It's not, no, easy. And, and you're right. And look, and that's why I love to be very upfront with people. And that's one of the reasons, one of the many reasons I've been looking forward to having a conversation with you. Because, again, just a title, and I know it's not as fun and direct as fuck. And it it, it is about having those real conversations because I've noticed in my travels around the world, it's easy for people to go and look at someone on the stage and go, well, their life must be easy or they've got it all set or they've been lucky or whatever the mind creates. But they don't realize that I don't care who you are. We all go through our ups and downs. So for me and how powerful the mind is, March 10th, I landed back in Canada from a three-day training in India. March 11th, I got put into lockdown because I was outside of the country. And also, as all my um, live events are being canceled around the world, I'm watching hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue go up in smoke. And all of a sudden, my mind at the same time is going, oh my goodness, do I have this COVID thing? What is this thing? And all of a sudden, this is how powerful our mind is. I started getting the symptoms. I started getting sick. Now, my wife, they told her all the news, isolate, don't be around them, put them in a different home or a different room or whatever. But my wife's like, there's no way I'm isolating him. And so she got sick. And for two to three weeks, while we're on the phone for hours trying to find out how do we book an appointment because the holds were eight, nine, 10 hours long. And we're so sick that we can't even be awake for half an hour, an hour at a time. So we'd have the phone on hold and we're listening to it and we'd pass out. We'd wake up, we'd still be on hold, pass out. It took us a total of three weeks to get through, book an appointment, get the appointment, and then get our results. And of course, during that time, by the time we got the results, we knew we were negative because we had also started listening to empowering things because we started to realize what we were doing to ourselves. And as we started to come out of that funk of like, you know, being the victims, like, oh my God, what do we do? And we started realizing this, what's happening. Then we use the two powerful words that my wife and I use a lot. What's next? How are we going to reinvent? How are we going to take it to another level? And I'm blessed, Lisa, that I live, my wife and I have a beautiful executive acreage that we bought three years ago for the expressed um, reason to eventually build a training center. So instead of me traveling all over the world as much, my students can come here. 
And, but that wasn't going to be for five, six years down the road. And so when we said, okay, what's next? Well, I'm home. I have the time. Let's build a training center now. But then what did the mind do? It goes, yeah, but hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue gone. This is going to cost a lot. What if? And the two next two words that we use that we use a lot, all in. We made a decision. We said we're all in. And September 26th, we had the final um, financing and everything put in place. December 12th, we broke ground. It was supposed to be done by the end of April, but I'm just now moving into my new facility off the back of my home. And in over the last two years, over a million dollars in revenue has been gone, but that reinvention has allowed me to go into a whole new direction. And now creating things I never dreamed of creating, making connections I'd never dreamed of connecting. And I'm going, and, and this may sound odd, I'm going, thank you, COVID, for coming into my life. Because now I see that I would have been very comfortable continuing doing around the world what I was doing for years to come and never build this. But now that it's here, it's putting us in a whole new direction. I get to spend even more time at home. That's unbelievable. That's an unbelievably great and powerful story. I. I want to go back, though, because the mind can create illness. Mm -hmm. It can create health. It -hmm. can create dreams and visions that you weren't aware you even had in you until something came along. That's correct. Yeah. 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 it, It resonates with me. And I think about all the women and one man on my team um, in network marketing and and, and this just, this happens so often, right? Something happens in your life that's totally unexpected. Most of the time, it's not as dramatic as something like a world health crisis. <laughs> Sometimes it can just be as simple as, you know, losing a job or losing a, a partner. Yes. And then there's fear and uncertainty and unknown. And you can, you can you know, what am I trying to say here? You can become that victim. You can become super down and that's normal and natural. Don't you think? Oh, it absolutely is. And and I think the only reason we came through it in a shorter time is because my wife and I have now spent years working on ourselves, introspecting. And if something takes us out for more than a few minutes, we're starting to look at why is this taking us out? What is, what's the underlying principle? So yes, it is, happens all over and I see it all over the world. It doesn't matter what, how you're brought up, what religion, what culture that you're brought into. We all have the same crap up here in the head. And I've been able to see it in, you know, well, 30 plus countries I've traveled to around the world training. So what do you think it is that enables some people to snap out of it and then start to think what's next? Right? A big part is the group of people you have around you growth-minded people. And um, there's a difference that I want to kind of make a a clarification between like-minded people and growth-minded people. Like-minded people, which I used to believe for years was what you want to do, surround yourself with like-minded people. But then a mentor last year said, uh, hello, if you're surrounded by complainers and you're like-minded, you're a complainer. (laughs) It's like, true. So growth-minded people, they're the ones that are there to pick you up when you fall, They're your greatest cheering um, squad when you're doing well. But more importantly, they are the ones that are willing to have the tough conversations with you when they're needed. And that's like, okay, why are you being an asshole right now? Might be a conversation or 
Um, why are you playing smaller than you can? Why are you sitting there laying in bed when there's nothing wrong with you except for what you think is wrong with you? And these are the people that become the greatest uh, connections and the greatest true relationships and friendships that you can have. Because if you surround yourself with growth-minded people, it's amazing what you can accomplish. Because quit trying to do it on your own, which is what so many people try to do. That's why they get caught playing the victim for so long is because they're caught up here in their own head 24-7 with no other perspective to help them say, yeah, but, you know, have you thought of it this way? I yeah. hope that makes sense. It does make sense. And it's, it's, it's important to surround yourself with people who have a mindset of abundance and a mindset of growth. And it's also important to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you and wealthier than you and more fit. And for me, that doesn't take too much to be smarter than me. <laughs> Just saying, I have one brain cell, so. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, you're lucky you have your wife too, that has that, that same sort of growth mentality that you do. So let's talk about um, how you got started, what, where you came from and, and, and where you went, if you don't mind. Yeah. Well, I've been very blessed um, because you mentioned my wife. You know, my wife and I, we met when we were 13. We started dating when we were 16. We got married when we were 19. Well, actually, I had turned 20 12 days earlier before our marriage. And we just celebrated our 32nd wedding anniversary. Wow, congratulations. Do not do the calculation on my age. I can't. I went to law school (laughs) to avoid math, so. That's right. Oh, oh, good to know. (laughs) And um, she is one of the greatest growth-minded people in my life because she's one of the many gifts she gives me. She's not willing to let me play smaller than I am. And so if it was left to me, I would be miserable, but comfortable in a job because that's how I was brought up. Find a job. Even if you hate it, you do it if it takes care of your family. And so I was taught to stay inside that box. Don't question the box. All of that. She came as the youngest of five children raised by a single mom. And her perspective is a what box? I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> you know? And so that's helped the journey along because by when I was 21, I'd been laid off from my third company that I'd been working for. Thought I'd work for them for 40 years. Couldn't find a real job because of our economy. So I started delivering pizzas for Domino's Pizza. From there, I end up becoming a manager. My wife becomes my assistant manager. And we start working open to close seven days a week because we know how to work hard. And then from there, we were actually out of necessity. And this may sound strange. But from necessity, we ended up becoming franchisees, even though we didn't have money to do it. We ended up buying two stores with 100% financing. And for the first two years, we knew how to run a business or a Domino's store, but we didn't know how to run the business. And there's a big difference. And when we figured it out, we started making pretty good money. But what did we do? We tried to keep up with the Joneses. And we we started spending more money than we were earning. And Lisa, I know you've probably met no one who's ever spent more money than they've earned before. That's probably nothing that you ever experienced. Absolutely. Never met that person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never had a mirror and, in the house. <laughs> right? Exactly. And by the time we were franchisees for eight years, we're now over $150,000 personally in debt and going down quickly. Yeah. And that's when we were introduced to personal development. We went through a three-day training that taught us why we were in debt. But more importantly, to take ownership of why we're in debt, quit blaming others for our debt. Well, they lost my money. Yeah, but you're the one that gave them the money to invest. You know, and when we took that ownership and then we started to put into practice what we'd learned, all of a sudden we were able to go from $150,000 in debt to actually retired completely financially free nine months later at the age of 32. 
And our minds went, wow, that worked. <laughs> if this information gave us that result, what would, what would more learning do? And we took a deep dive into learning from as many people as we could, as many masters. And that's where I found my passion was to train. And because I, and it, the dream started with this. If I could help one person, even one person do what my wife and I have been able to accomplish, go from being deep in debt to financially free and make it all worthwhile. And now 18 and a half plus years later, I've personally trained over half a million people around the world and a lot in live trainings on stages. And now even virtually in this last year and a half, I've trained another 200,000 virtually. And so it's like, that's where I am today. It's interesting because COVID blessed you in a lot of ways. And one of the ways it blessed you and everyone else is that your reach is actually bigger virtually than it is in, in yeah. person, right? You, you've been able to train more people in less time. Exactly. And, and that's one of the beautiful things. And, and I look at it that way. Now, to be clear, because the one trip I've done in this whole pandemic is I did go to Dubai earlier this year. And the moment I was back on stage and be able to interact and be in the audience, it anchored in that nothing will ever replace live trainings. But you know what? This is the new world. So I could sit there and go, well, I've always done it live. And until I can do live again, I'm doing nothing. <laughs> and I would do nothing. Or I can say, how do I keep adding value? How do I keep living my gift and empowering people around the world? And that's what I want people like your audience to um, ask themselves is, is the old way of doing things serving them? And if not, how can they make adjustments to keep showing up, keep moving forward and adding value? What would you tell my audience? You know, my audience is comprised of a lot of it's entrepreneur, network marketing, social sellers. Um, when people are stuck in fear, you know, how do you help them move through it? into action yeah. one step at a time people get overwhelmed because they're here and their dreams and goals are ahead of them but their mind is up at their the end trying to figure out everything what will it look like how will it happen what if this doesn't end oh my god what if they say no and so they get paralyzed so i teach people take a deep breath in come back to the present moment and ask yourself what's one step i can take right now and, and this may sound strange, but the simpler you make the step, the better. Because it's not about the step, it's about the habit of taking the step. And so it might be, okay, um, I, want to, I want to recruit one more person. Let's talk network marketing. I want to recruit one more person. Okay, to do that, I'm probably going to have to talk to about 10 people. So what's one step I can do right now in this moment? Well, you know what? I'm going to sit down and I'm just going to write down 10 names. And the moment you finish writing the names down, here's what I want you to do. I want you to celebrate. Yes, I did it. Anchor it in some way. And it, so that you're conditioning yourself that, you know what, I'm taking action. And I'm going to reward myself in little ways for that. I'm going to celebrate it. And then say, what's my next step? And the simpler you make the steps, you now create the habit that you're actually doing the actions. And it just becomes a habit then all of a sudden where, yep, next step, done. Next step, done. And pretty soon you're going, how did I just accomplish this? <laughs> and you know what? So that's what I recommend. Yeah. That, it, I'm ready to recruit you because that's exactly what I say. That's exactly what we talk about. And, you know, I, so I created these dice, 
okay? And on each side of the dice is an income-producing activity. It's an action step, very simple mm -hmm. action steps. And so this is what I train on. Just roll the dice in the morning and just do two things. Just yep. do two simple things every day and then put it away. And that reduces the overwhelm because you know yes. you only have to do two things. If you can only do one thing, do one thing. So I think I might be on the right path here because you validated exactly what I'm trying to accomplish here, which is small, simple steps over a long period of time equals. That's right. And, and it creates momentum. It creates the momentum because people, and, and this is like any business, but you know, you think about the network marketing industry, probably the greatest in my mind, the greatest industry out there because it gives people the chance to, you know, I have backgrounds in both, but here's a comparison because there's two types of business. I really believe in Lisa is network marketing and franchises. Why? Because both of them have a system. They both have a system. And if you follow the frickin' system, you can get the results. But as the people who go, oh, I, I got to do it my way. I know better. Have you created a million yet in it? No. So don't start, you know, anyway, that's a whole nother rabbit hole. But in my life, I look at it and go, okay, the average Domino's pizza when I was still a franchisee, the average Domino's pizza was $250,000 to buy or build one. And you're buying yourself basically a $60,000 a year job. Whereas the average network marketing, you put in a few hundred, you learn the system, you follow the system, you can create the income that you truly want. But because people to put 250,000 into the dominoes, oh, you better believe they get up out of bed and they do those, they go to the store, they open it. Some days that was the only reason I got out of bed was because the store had to be open. But then they go, oh, well, it's only a couple hundred dollars and this is not working. It's hard. Life is hard. You have to be willing to keep going, that tenacity. And so those little steps that you're talking about create the momentum where it, when it becomes that habit, you don't look at it as being hard anymore. It's just something that needs to be done each day. And you know what? I'm used to doing it, so it's done. And when, they, you, know, when you teach the duplication instead of trying to reinvent it yourself and looking like the smart person, the smartest person, and, and I'll use the example this way. The last, in the last year of being a franchisee, my wife and I, we would actually travel around Canada and then down into um, Oregon. And our job was, because we did a partnership with the largest franchisee in Canada, we'd go into his stores that were bankrupt or about to go bankrupt. We'd go in and within three months, we'd be walking out of the store with new staff trained, profits and sales going up by over 100%. And people were like, you guys are brilliant. How are you doing this? And we're like, we went in, cut out all the crap that was not the system and put it back to the system. Because what Tom Monahan designed for Domino's Pizza worked, but it was the people trying to reinvent it that created the problems. Same thing in network marketing. Go in and teach. What are your income producing activities? Your consistent, persistent daily things that you do even if you're part-time, I love the dice. One or two things in the morning, and then you can say, yes, I did my task today. And as you take, it may take a while, but all of a sudden things build up, and then all of a sudden you hit that critical mass and that momentum. And because you've taught the system, you've taught the duplication, you're going, wow, it doesn't even seem like I'm working as hard, but my team's growing like crazy. Uh, yeah, because you modeled what you wanted your team to do. Instead of modeling for them, go in, look at the system, but reinvent it. 
Because then if that's what you're modeling, that's what they're doing. Plain and simple. Right, right. So now, you know, you've, you've gone through this personal development. You got rid of all of your debt. Um, you've got this financial freedom. And here you are 18 years later still hustling in terms of you're out there, you're working, you're giving value, you're learning, you're still doing personal development. Where does this drive come from? (laughs) (laughs) Well, in 2004, when um, I started 2002, kind of learning and assisting in trainings, 2004, I did my very first one. And the moment I did um, with my mentor, I went from 2004 to September, 2008, I ended up doing over 200 multi-day trainings around North America and then launching into Asia. I was living my passion, loving what I do, but I was overliving it. And I want to be clear, overliving your passion, bad, bad, bad. I got burnt out. And not realizing I wasn't taking care of myself, I herniated a disc and ended up going through two back surgeries. And I had originally, I didn't know about the back. I just thought it was a sciatic problem for a couple of years. I didn't know what, exactly what it was, but I was so burnt out. I decided to take a year off and thank goodness, you know, money is not the, I didn't have to worry about where my bills can be paid, but that one year turned into three and a half years. Part of it was because I had the two back surgeries. I found out and I ended up going through those. But the other part was I got comfortable. I went from overliving my passion, bad, to not living it at all, just as bad. Mm-hmm. And it was a very specific day. There's a universal principle that says that which is not utilized is eliminated. And every single one of us on this planet, Lisa, has a gift to give the world. And how do you know if you still have a gift to give? Yeah, I'm still breathing. I still have a gift to give. And August 10th, 2010, I'm two years into my hiatus that I said I was only going to take a year off. And I've been getting these messages, Robert, you've been saying you're going to take a year off. It's over a year. You know, the universe was smacking me upside the head and I didn't pay attention. So that day it gave me a message I could not ignore. Um, I ended up, my mother and father-in-law who lived across the street where I lived at the time and up, they phoned me and said, can you help us with our TV? We're having problems. I said, yep, no problem. Walk out, beautiful sunny day, park. Uh, there's a, a children's playground across from my house, 30 kids playing in the playground. I walk up the street, help them out. I'm coming back, and all of a sudden, a couple comes walking along with a big dog, a bull mastiff. I'm an animal lover. I'm standing on the sidewalk there in front of my driveway, and I said, is she friendly? And they said, no, no, she's not. We just rescued her. We're rehabilitating her. And so we stood about 20 feet away talking for a while. Eventually, I knelt down, and I let him bring her close to me. I let her smell my hand. I pet her head, pet her neck. There was no problem. She great response. But the moment I went to stand up, she lunged for my throat. And luckily, from the standing motion, my chin had dropped. So instead of getting my throat, she got my chin. Proceeded to try and drag me to the ground. And I knew if she got me to the ground, I'm dead. So I stand up. I'm in total shock. She's trying to pull me down. The guy actually had to pry her jaws off. Now it's taking him and his wife both to hold her back because she's lunging back at me. Blood all over the place. And I said, look, there's 30 kids. Get her out of here. Get her up this, the road. I live right there. Um, to speed that story up, I end up getting, there's three puncture wounds under my goatee that they leave open because they just want any bacteria to flush out. But the dog had ripped through here on my chin as well, and it took nine stitches. And in that moment, I had a choice, Lisa. I could have gone, why the fuck did this happen to me? Or I could say, why did this happen to me? And also in that principle, that which is not utilized is eliminated came to my mind, 
And I realized one inch further and the dog would have got my jugular. And in that moment, I made the decision that I had to train again. I didn't have to train. This had been taken care of for a while. I had to because it's my passion. It's my gift. And it still took a year and a half to come out of retirement because I wanted to make sure my body was properly ready. I knew I would not put it through what I did before. But that I know I will train till, the, till I can't train anymore because it's my gift and I choose not to lose it. It's interesting to me. It's like, um, it's very symbolic that the dog got your jaw where you talk, right? That they didn't, that he didn't get your cheek or that he didn't get your ear, that he yeah. didn't get your nose. He got what you use, your mouth, to, to earn your income. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Yeah. What a story. Wow. Lesson learned. lesson learned couple lessons learned but so your drive then is to um find that that balance right for yourself between where you're 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 living your purpose you're doing what you love um but you're not overdoing it and you're not underdoing it right And, and you hit it right on the head because when i decided to come out of retirement within two weeks of me making the decision the company i did a lot of the work with phoned me to ask if I'd come out of retirement. And I said, look, I want more balance. I said, so here's what's going to happen. I said, I will do 20 trainings a year maximum, wherever in the world you use me, so that even with all the traveling, I get six months a year to be at home because I like my time off. And people think that balance is like everything's perfect. It's like, (laughs) but what I've discovered is everything's always changing. What balance to me is you're adjusting, adjusting. You're looking at what's not working and you make an adjustment. You don't get upset. You don't get pissed off. You're like, okay, this isn't working. So let's adjust back this way. This isn't working. So let's adjust. And since I came out of retirement pre-COVID, even though I was flying 200,000 miles a year, I was still at home six months a year being able to do whatever I wanted to do. So that lesson, that learning came from that to have that balance because it is important. And now the reason we had thought of building the center was so I could even slow down even more because I'm not getting younger. And those long flights were paying a price, right? So now my students, because I love my, my absolute passion, Lisa, is when I can take someone who has a message to give the world and I can help make them more present and more authentic on the stage, whether now virtually or live. And so in my training center, I'll be bringing students in that I mentor one-on-one and I'll sit there and I'll be able to say, stop. Turn your head this way. Lift your chin up. I'll enhance them so that and help them get out of their head so that when they talk to their audience, they have a conversation. They're connected instead of thinking about it. Yeah, which is a hard thing to develop. It is. And that's what and it's my passion and I'm good at it. So I love to be able to, you know, adjust people and tweak them and, and enhance them. Yeah, it's interesting. So um, we're we're just about getting there on time, but I, I'm not ready to go yet. So I have a couple more. <laughs> you know, everybody defines success differently. You know, I think in network marketing, for example, people have this idea that if they don't make a million in the first year, then they didn't succeed. Or if they don't build a giant team, then they didn't succeed. Um, and I, I think it's important to recognize that there are different definitions of success for every yes. single person. Um, mm-hmm. How do you define success? What is success like for you? Have I taken one step further towards my goal than I did yesterday? That's it. I never compare myself to anybody else 
because that's the fastest route to unhappiness. And is I just look at my results and say, am I giving 100%? And that even means when days where I'm burnt out and I'm tired, you know, that's all part of my scheduling. I give myself freedom days so that I can rejuvenate. But I look back and I go, okay, did I take one more step? And if I did, I celebrate it and that's it. I've learned to be more gentle with myself because as you know, Lisa, I'm sure, if you had a friend that treated you the way you treat yourself, they wouldn't be your friend for long, but yet we take it from ourselves. And so it's about learning to be compassionate to you. And if you were a coach, just think of it. If you were coaching someone that was having a rough time, how would you coach them? What would you say to them? And just say that to yourself. Yeah. I like the idea of a freedom day. I, um, one of my many flaws is that I work all the time and <laughs> I don't have my schedule, um, sort of blocked out. And yes. I, I think I'm going to adopt the concept well, yeah. of a freedom a simple day. tip for you. Yeah. It, it, wealth rule number one when it comes to money, pay yourself first. So if you're doing that with your money, why wouldn't you do that with your time? So when my wife and I do our calendar, I live by the calendar on my phone. The first thing that gets put on my calendar is what we call our pamper pieces. That's time for ourselves. Time for each other, time for family, time for our health. That goes on our calendar before anything else because it's that important. Because you can't give what you don't have. So if you're not taking care of yourself, how are you truly being able to take care of other people? Yeah, exactly. I like that pamper pieces. (laughs) (laughs) And and it could be something as simple as I'm going to take, for me, I use an app called Calm. And to quiet my mind, I use the, the free version. I love the sound of rain. Mm-hmm. So I'll take my earbuds, I'll put them on my ear, 20 minutes, I'll lay back in my easy chair, 20 minutes listening to rain. At the end, the little um, Buddha bell goes off, I get up, I'm refreshed. That was 20 minutes for me. And you have to be, there's two things on this. One, you have to be willing to think you're being selfish. That's the biggest obstacle for people is they, well, if I do this and take care of me, I'm being selfish. Good on you. You have to, you have to take care of yourself. But the second thing is be creative. And for me, one of the most creative ways to take time for myself, people go, well, Robert, why are you willing to hop on a plane for 10, 12, 14 hours, 16 hours? I'm like, well, A, I love training around the world. I love impacting lives. I said, but two, when I get on that plane, I sit in my seat. That's my time. I don't do any work. I don't connect to Wi-Fi. I read because I love to read. I watch movies because I love watching movies. I get a little sleep, I eat great food, and I drink great wine. Because I know the moment I land, the next three to five days, I'm on stage for up to 12 hours a day. So if I can't take care of me, how can I truly take care of my students? And so you have to be selfish and creative when it comes to your pamper. What's been your favorite place to travel to? I know you just said you went to Dubai, and I have to tell you that's a dream destination. And I'm going there at the end of February for an event, and I'm I'm so excited. what would you say your oh, yeah. favorite place has been? That has been one of the tops because it was in March. It was my first trip to Dubai ever. And because I was there for a celebration as well as to train, um, you know, <laughs> I was treated like royalty. We did the Burj Khalifa, uh, tallest building in the world. We did the sand dunes where we were snowboarding down the sand, doing the quadding, hot air balloon at 5 a.m. in the morning. Stunning. Absolutely stunning as that sun comes up over the horizon. Um, we did so much. It was, I was there for a week and a half 
And I think I was at my hotel maybe a total of five hours in total because it was go, 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 plus the celebrations and all that. So Dubai is definitely at the top of the list. But I would say like India, uh, Thailand, Vietnam, places I've been many, many times. I just, every place has some beauty that I love in it. So there's really no favorite. I just love to experience cultures. So... Did you ever think that would be in your script when you were um, putting pizzas in the oven at the uh, first store? No. <laughs> no. And look, even when I sat in the, if, if I, when I became a student and I'm sitting in 2001, June 2001, sitting in an audience, if someone would come up to me and said, Robert, over the next 20 years, here's what you're going to be doing, I would have looked at them like they were insane. And, and think about this. This is what happens for people in network marketing. We can see it so clearly for someone who's got that passion and that unbridled enthusiasm of what's possible but until they believe it they won't and so it's that's where that one step at a time comes in again because i look back now and i go wow what a journey it's been but yeah had i tried to look forward i would have i couldn't see it i just you don't know what you don't know right and you don't know what's ahead of you right that's you right don't. Yeah. you really don't so yeah. I'm glad we're connected and I'm looking forward to having you back and seeing what's what's on your plate. So where can people find you if they want more of Robert? Yeah. And, you know, because you were so gracious, Lisa, to have me as a guest on your podcast, I, I would love as a gift to your audience. Just go to robertrealpel.com, my name, nice and easy. And they're actually going to be able to download the entire digital copy of my first book, international bestselling book, Success Left a Clue, as our gift to them. And that's a way to stay connected with me. But I will tell you, it comes with a caveat. Now, and being a lawyer, you understand, I don't even know what the word caveat means, but I'm sure you do as a lawyer. <laughs> but, but here's the caveat is step number three in this book is take action. The number one thing I've noticed all around the world that's different from success to non-success, successful people take action. So I did not write this book for you to read, put it on the shelf and make it shelf help. That's not why I, I wrote it. So all the way through, I wrote action steps. It's a workbook. And I even sit there and in the book, I go, did you do the last action? If not, stop reading right now, go back and do the action because I know people are creatures of habit. And I, I promise you, if they download and they do the actions, they will see that their life moves forward. And especially if they're in network marketing, part of your team and that, they follow these simple steps. Do not let the simplicity fool you. They follow the six steps in this book. They will not only have a greater life, but they'll um, be able to create a great team in their company and with you. Sounds great. I, I, I'm going to encourage uh, my audience to do that and my team to do that. And I love that. This is not a shelf help book, but it's a self help. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad you got my joke. Some people don't. <laughs> it's hilarious. This is not a shelf help. No, I listen. Simplicity is, um, it's boring and it's mundane. It is. It's, it's monotony. Yes. And, but that's where the growth is. I mean, sit-ups, if you want a six-pack, you got to do sit-ups. If you yeah. want a nice chest, you have to do push-ups. That's right. boring. <laughs> It is. And, and that's what people don't understand. They go, Robert, how can I do what you do? Then you've got to do what I do. You know, hey, I've got a six pack. It's just buried somewhere underneath the rest. <laughs> <laughs> but it's there. <laughs> and, and it, it, but it is. And, and that's why, like, it, my initials RRR, Robert Raymond Realpel. But it also stands for real, relevant, and repeatable. Because when it comes to success and what it really takes, 
I want to be real with people. I'm never going to candy coat it. And I'm going to tell them, if you want to be great at anything, it's not what people see. It's what they don't see that you're doing behind the scenes. The hours of practice, the hours of working on yourself, the getting up. And even though you don't feel like it, making that next call, sending that next email, doing what needs to be done, rolling the dice and going, okay, I'm going to start simple. Lisa said, roll the dice. I rolled the dice. Okay, here's two things. Okay, I'm going to commit to doing those two things. And then say, you know what? I'm good for today. Tomorrow, roll them again. And if they start and they get that consistency, because it is boring. It, to have the glamour, you have to have the boring. Plain and simple. It goes hand in hand. And it's all good. It's really good. It's really yeah. good. And, then, and, and so I'm so glad you came on. I'm so glad this worked out. Our schedule is finally um, <laughs> aligned. <laughs> aligned. Oh. And I'm so glad that they did. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, my pleasure. And anytime you want me back, just ask. I will be here. For more information on the Direct AF Sales book or custom dice course or workbook, go on over to directafsales.com. There's going to be a discount code for all the listeners there. It's code DIRECTAF20. And grab yours today. Thanks for listening to today's show. Please leave me a review. Make sure you subscribe. And even better, share it with a friend so that we can share our message and our content and help as many people as we can. Thanks, guys.